the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, hello, everyone. This is Al Fadi. Thank you so much for joining us uh, in another uh, episode of uh, Let Us Reason. Um, uh, today, I'm going to continue with our discussions on uh, basically the Bible and uh, politics and the role of Christians uh, in government. Um, now, uh, we need to uh, remind ourselves all the time that at the end of the day, really, uh, the Lord uh, and his word endorses governments regardless of how we feel about those governments and how we feel about those who are in office. Now, uh, not necessarily that each one of them is a godly person. We have to understand that. But also not necessarily that we can blindly also agree to anything they do just because they are instituted by God. God wants us also to stand up for what is right. Now, God is not endorsing rebellious, not endorsing civil war or... Uh, chaos. He's endorsing obedience as long as, you know, uh, the government uh, or whomever is in office will not, uh, uh, you know, cause uh, uh, basically any uh, chaos uh, or in, uh, enforces, let's say, their own views on others. If they try to force their own views on others, then we're back to square one because then, um, you know, as Christians, we should always lobby for freedom of religion, freedom of belief, even even if that means that others who do not believe in the Lord uh, may enjoy the same freedom. But at the end of the day, we have demonstrated so far that the Bible clearly does not allow us as believers to force also the Lord on anyone. The Lord himself did not force himself on anyone. Now, it's possible to understand the Bible rightly that among responsible evangelical interpreters of the Bible, uh, there are, uh, you know, more areas, uh, you know, basically of uh, uh, widespread agreement, I should say, than disagreement uh, throughout the history uh, of the church. There is widespread agreement that it is wrong to murder, it is wrong to commit adultery, um, it is wrong to bear false witness. Uh, there is also agreement that God established civil government uh, for our benefit, actually, and that there should be a uh, distinction uh, between uh, the, the spheres of authority, the sphere of the government versus the sphere of the church. But also at the same time, uh, there is disagreements, um, and those disagreements, you know, could be healthy when um, you debate them in, uh, openly, with an open mind, 
and respectfully, of course. I mean, we cannot all agree on every single thing, but at the same time, as, as long as we agree on principles and hopefully theological issues as well, that should be healthy. Theologically, uh, those who are liberal in their theological view, um, they tend, sadly, to uh, distort the scripture as much as they uh, can, whether they do it intentionally or unknowingly. I mean, uh, I'm not here making accusations that they maliciously are doing it just because they have an agenda. Sometimes they are brought up to think in uh, this way. And that's the worldview that they adhere to, and they believe this is the right way to interpret certain passages in the scripture. Uh, let's call them theological liberal, according to what Dr. Grudem basically in his own book called them. Theologically liberal critics of the Bible are not a good guide to the right interpretation of the Bible. Now, it's always possible for a hostile reader uh, to uh, lift biblical statements and fairly out of context. You know, so when you're dealing with groups who are critical already of the Bible, oftentimes they tend to take things out of context. And you and I know, once you take things out of context, everything is open now for reinterpretation. Uh, the thing that was taken out of context might have meant this. Now, by itself, it means that. And sadly, uh, if uh, people who go to church are not well-equipped or discipled enough to understand how to interpret the Word of God, they are not going to understand. They are not going to comprehend what's going on, and they may actually be, uh, you know, basically uh, be discouraged by what they hear, or maybe they begin to agree with the new way of interpreting things just because it suits their uh, own way of thinking as well. They just needed some sort of an authority to tell them that, you know. So, so all sort of things can happen, basically. Now, it's possible to understand and obey what the Bible teaches, and this applies to uh, the Bible, the teachings on civil government. Uh, so, uh, a biblical justification, by the way, for significant Christian influence on government can be found in the scripture. The point I'm trying to make here is this. The Bible does encourage Christians to participate for a variety of reasons, including being a buffer against the wrong interpretation the wrong interpretation, basically, uh, of the uh, Scripture. You know, for instance, uh, we find examples in Old Testament in Daniel chapter 4, verse 27. Uh, uh, the, the Scripture says, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Notice, Daniel was telling Nebuchadnezzar this, and uh, he relied on the word of God that he received to tell him the truth, bluntly, even though we look at history, and Nebuchadnezzar wasn't this nice guy, by the way. I mean, Daniel could have been killed for daring to speak to Nebuchadnezzar this way, but Daniel did not fear also. He knew this is the truth that was imparted to him, that's the word of God that is given to him. And he shared that truth openly with the king, in the king's court, basically. That's one way to look at how God can use you as a counsel or a counselor, if you wish, in this case, to a governor or to a president or to a king. God puts you there for a purpose. 
and Jeremiah 29, 7, we read, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Notice, God is telling his people that I sent you to exile to Babylon. Now I want you to seek the welfare of that city that is oppressing you. I mean, that's interesting. In other words, God says, I'm sending you there for a purpose. Your purpose is to be the light, my light in there. You need to pray and seek the welfare of that city because I am in control. That city is under my control, not under control of the civil government. I'm the one who instituted the civil government in that city. But your job is to be, uh, you know, the promoter of peace, uh, seeking the welfare of that city. Continuing on, Jeremiah 29, 7, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. So God is asking us to pray on behalf of that city or behalf of the nation or behalf of Anything that we hear that there is a nation that has a wicked governor or wicked uh, government, you know, a wicked authority, we need to remember to pray for those as well. And if we happen to live under, and if we have uh, to live under that type of regime, we need to also to be praying for that city and for God's hand to be upon it. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. In other words, God says, I will take care of your needs through the needs of that particular city. So you need to pray. Uh, uh, you know, uh, basically, you need to uh, seek the welfare of that city, pray for that city, and remember that the provisions that God gives to you through that city uh, are the same uh, that God is providing that city. So God is using that city as a conduit for your own provisions, your own needs, if you wish. Nehemiah 1.11 says, Now I was cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah's job was a cupbearer to the Persian king. He was working with the Persian king at the court of the Persian king. And to be the cupbearer, that was a position where you uh, also can be uh, you know, the one that can keep the secrets of the king as well. It's a trusted position. Uh, all that to say is God uh, uh, basically is using Nehemiah there, uh, using Nehemiah uh, there uh, to, uh, you know, for uh, the, the purpose of, uh, you know, serving a Persian king, but at the same time, God used the Persian king later in that book to help Nehemiah go back and build the walls of the city of Jerusalem. We find a lot of examples like this. You can go to Isaiah 30, uh, chapters 13 to 23, uh, Ezekiel chapter 20, chapters 25 to 32, Amos chapters 1 and 2, uh, Obadiah, uh, which is one chapter only. The whole book of Jonah is an example of that, how God loved Nineveh. And the people of Nineveh and sent Jonah to preach the gospel to them over there. And uh, they were saved. Book of Nahum is an example. Habakkuk, specifically Habakkuk chapter 2. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 2. Genesis uh, chapter 41 verses 37 to 45. The story of Joseph in there. Exodus 8 verse 1. And there's a lot of example in there. Go and meditate on those and see how God used his own people, with uh, pharaohs, with wicked emperors and kings and governments to make an influence and look at the greater good that came out of it. 
not just for his people, but for all of humanity, for instance. So we have to look at it from God's perspective. He, he has a larger plan that you and I are not privy to know or to see, uh, because in his wisdom, he knows what's going to happen tomorrow and 100 years from now. So whatever he's doing now will have that kind of an impact long term. You and I see it only in the immediate time. And that's why we get frustrated sometimes, because in that immediacy, we're not seeing the results that we hoped for, but God sees the result down the road. Now, examples from the New Testament also that justify the involvement of believers and Christians into government and politics. In Matthew 14, verses 3 and 4, For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Why did he do this? Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. See, God was using John the Baptist to remind Herod that his action is adultery and is wrong and is not endorsed by God. And for that reason, of course, he was being persecuted and ended up losing his life as a result. But it seems like God you know, basically still use John the Baptist, despite the risk, to speak truth into the ear of the king in this case. In Luke 3, verses 18 to 20, so with many other exhortations, he preached good news. He preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him, now speaking again of John the Baptist, who has been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them, uh, to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Okay? So John was being persecuted for what? For sharing the truth. In Acts 24, verses 24 and 25, here's the story of the Apostle Paul. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Notice God used Paul to speak truth to Felix and also to his wife, who was a Jewish, uh, basically, uh, from a Jewish background. So we don't know what happened to Felix or his wife. Maybe they have believed as a result of this. But Paul was basically speaking truth in the midst of his trial. So it, whether you're being persecuted, oppressed, or even offered a job in a government position, God expects you to speak truth and be that conduit of the truth. So why did God include Romans 13, 1 to 7, and 1 Peter 2, 13 to 14? You know, we remember uh, Romans 13. I'll read just a couple of verses here. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. You know, and you keep reading. You know, so the rebellious against that instituted government is equivalent to rebellious against God himself, against God himself. Uh, in First Peter 2, 13 to 14, be subject 
for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him, to do what? To punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. It's exactly what Romans 13 have said. The responsibility of citizens in a democracy to understand the Bible's teaching. You see, you being there helps people understand the scripture, understand the scripture, uh, and understand the truth, and also understand the purposes of God. So your presence is extremely important. History also shows a pattern of Christian influence on secular uh, governments. Uh, For instance, when the church forgot Jesus' teaching about the distinction between the things that are Caesar's and the things that are God, it made harmful mistakes. The church became like an empire and made mistakes and persecuted people. In spite of these mistakes, there are many examples of the positive results of significant Christian influence on government. A greater value in human rights freedom of religion, equality before the law, the ablution of abortion, infanticide, human sacrifice, polygamy, slavery, granting protections, property rights, voting rights to women, and the list can go on and on and on. The Christian beliefs of Martin Luther King impacted the outline of racial segregation and discrimination here in the U.S. Today, tens of thousands of Christians form the backbone of the pro-life movement, which continues to work for the prohibition of abortion. And we need to pray for uh, those misguided mothers and for those unborn uh, to be saved, uh, both of them, spiritually and physically. Without Christian influence, by the way, governments will have no clear moral compass. Uh, What would happen, for instance, in the following areas if all Christian influence uh, on government uh, were removed or doesn't exist at all? What would happen in terms of war, for instance? What would happen in terms of same-sex marriage? What would happen in terms of abortion, pornography, poverty, care for the environment, capital punishment, education, moral standards, If Christians do not speak publicly about moral and ethical issues facing a nation, then uh, who will uh, in this case? And it's healthy for Christians to have dialogue about what the Bible teaches, about moral standards for human conduct, and eventually, of course, significant Christian influence on government will result in many positive changes. So we need to keep this in mind all the time. Also, the responsibility of pastors to teach on these issues. God calls people to different tasks uh, in the overall work of the kingdom. God calls some to be involved heavily in political process, and others to sing, others to teach, others to preach, others to be apologists others to be evangelists. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. He calls some to run for office also. I mean, why is it, uh, you know, uh, beneath God to do that, to call Christians to run for office? Others to teach, 
least on this school class, you know, pastors have a special responsibility to preach and teach from God's word on at least some issues affecting law, uh, government, politics, uh, even though these topics are considered to be controversial. You still, as a pastor, uh, you are responsible to at least teach on these topics, regardless of uh, this view or that view. Your job is to try to at least teach it and help the congregation understand God's view on this issue. That's what's important. It's not about our view. It's about God's view. The Apostle Paul taught, uh, thought he was, by the way, accountable to God to preach on everything the Bible taught. That's what he says, actually, to the elders of the church of Ephesus. Uh, it's a powerful thing. He says in Acts 20, verses 26 to 27, he says, Therefore, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Notice, he's saying, I taught you everything that I have received. I did not really shrink or keep anything to myself. Therefore, whatever God taught me, I'm going to have to teach you. And that's the responsibility of the teachers of the Word of God, pastors, preachers, you name it. We have to impart on people the Word of God, the teaching of the Word of God, and what God expects from us, basically, in various things. The obligation of all Christian citizens also uh, is to be informed and to vote on these issues, not for based on your own feelings, based on God's own purposes. And uh, that's why it is extremely important for us to remember all of these things as believers. Churches, by the way, and the IRS uh, have uh, guidelines. The IRS prohibit pastors, uh, uh, of course, uh, or churches from explicitly saying they support or oppose any candidate by name, though they are still allowed to take positions on moral issues, right? To this point, by the way, uh, we're not aware that uh, the IRS ever uh, took any action against a pastor who specifically mentioned a candidate by name. But, you know, regardless of that, even though there is guidelines prohibiting you from mentioning somebody by name, it doesn't prohibit you from talking about the issues uh, and the things that people need to be aware of. So this tells us then that pastors have responsibility to teach about significant moral issues at stake every time there is an election, by the way. Individual Christians also have an obligation to be well-informed and to vote intelligently. And Christians should also consider whether God is calling them to do more including uh, the fact that God might be calling you to run for office. All that to say is um, just hoping that these teachings so far are helpful to you to understand that we have a responsibility as believers not to shrink from being involved in politics, regardless of how messy it is, regardless of how uh, dirty sometimes it can get. I get it that you feel, well, I don't want to be persecuted uh, over this, but think about it. You being involved and bringing sanity to an insane world is important. God put you in that position and called you to do something for a purpose. At the end of the day, it brings glory to his name. God is not calling you to become a dirty politician. That doesn't represent him. He's not calling you to do things that are wrong. He's calling you to bring sanity and speak the truth. And God will use that in the lives of many 
who are listening to you and the lives of the others that you could be influencing. With that in mind, I want to just bring this to a conclusion. Uh, you can listen to, of course, the, all the previous episodes on this particular topic uh, go, by going to our website, sirainternational.com. You can also uh, go to our online church, by the way, uh, our online church. If you go to my Facebook page, for instance, alfadi.sira, and uh, we have an online church as well uh, under Sira International, where you can uh, watch and listen to some of my messages on this topic. But also our podcast alone is going to be more than enough because we uh, dig deeper uh, through the podcast. And uh, I will be remiss if I don't remind you to please uh, consider uh, partnering with us by uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel, Sierra International, and also becoming a giver through Patreon or PayPal. We are looking to raise more and more partners through Patreon and other means. Thank you so much and God bless.